Not a matter of if, but when crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world controversy. Crisis Squad member Steve Silton is here today. He's our guy on the law, a business entertainment and sports attorney with Cozen O'Connor, a national law firm based in Philadelphia. Steve's legal savvy and love of sports come together today in the case file I call Pay for Play. Steve, we see eye to eye on so many things, but this is one over which we've never agreed. College athletes getting paid to play. First comes the name image likeness controversy. That's still a divisive issue. Now the NCAA is proposing to directly pay Division I athletes. What gives? Not only is the NCAA historically one of the most exploitive institutions, in my opinion, now they've turned out to be one of the most incompetent. This whole concept of name, image, and likeness is essentially just a massive workaround paying the athletes. They call them collectives, right, which are essentially nonprofits, which are funded through donations by donors, essentially pay the key players that are recruited to come to the particular school. This step by Chuck Baker, who's the current president of the NCAA, is frankly the first step in creating order out of chaos. So let's back up a bit. So the NCAA's founding principle is amateurism, which is defined as athletes competing without pay. And as the Wall Street Journal described in early December 2023, quote, ushers the nearly 120-year-old organization into a new era. So this new thing, even beyond name, image, and likeness, is saying to Division I schools, you can actually offer pay if this were to pass. You can pay, but then they step away and allow the schools to come up with their own recruiting windows, scholarship limits, and transfer requirements. This just seems like it's going to be a mess, and it's going to make those of us who are very anti-pay-for-play even less into college sports. Well, first off, you bought into the founding myth of the NCAA that amateurism or the quote-unquote student-athlete is essentially the foundation under which they were acquired. That is not the case at all. Prior to 1953, the NCAA was still around, and they were paying players. Paying players, frankly, some of which never matriculated at the school in which they were playing. People still like— They were paying them beyond their scholarships? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and in many respects, they weren't receiving scholarships. I mean, Jim Thorpe— probably never took a class at Purdue University, but he was brought to Purdue to participate in sports. The players prior to 1953 were brought to schools and paid. What happened in 1953 was essentially a legal case involving workers' compensation because they were one of the football players injured themselves and sued under a very simple law, said, listen, I'm an employee. I hurt myself. There's worker compensation. Hence, the NCAA said, no, 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 you're not an employee. You're a student athlete, which was essentially 60 years of, in my opinion, massive exploitation. We had these schools essentially getting the people who were producing millions, in some cases billions of dollars, and having them work for nothing. What kind of broke that up a few years ago was this whole concept of NIL. And for your viewers that don't understand what even NIL stands for, it stands for name, image, and likeness, essentially the right to sell your 
own image as part of your own business, right? Yeah, your because, own packaging coming to a particular university or institution. Right, because it used to be prior to it, the Ed O'Bannon case, which was essentially a basketball player at UCLA who saw his face on a video game and sued the NCAA and said, listen, you're using me to essentially make money and you're not paying me anything. So that was a long lawsuit. It was clear the NCAA was going to lose. And what the NCAA said was, "Okay, fine, we give up. You can essentially brand yourself. But the reality is, at this point, it's gone way beyond that. In this okay, I want to stop a moment. So we obviously, you, lots to unpack. You've obviously really made very clear to those uh, new listeners who've never listened to you before, but those who definitely love listening to you on the Crisis Files, that you know your stuff and you pull these court cases out of your back pocket, which we really love because you're helping us really dissect this. But what you're describing, as you've said, the NCAA, even if they're trying to be this bastion of amateurism, they broke kind of their own rules in doing some of the antics they were doing. So if we were just to go back to you're an amateur, you're an amateur, and maybe name, image, and likeness is here to stay, let's try to do it in ethical ways, I think we wouldn't have to get to the next step, which now Baker is proposing, of actually paying some Division I athletes directly. What Chuck Baker, who is a former governor of Massachusetts, a very, very smart guy, what he's seen is, is that this whole name, image, and likeness has essentially created complete chaos within the athletic, the collegiate yeah. athletic world. And they were never amateurs, per se, in the sense that amateurs don't produce billions of dollars for somebody else, right? I mean, college sports is a multi-billion dollar business. Right, so someone is not having the steel spine enough to say, NCAA, you're doing wrong. That money shouldn't go to all these lucrative contracts. It shouldn't go for putting a face somewhere with an athlete who didn't agree to that, should actually go back into the institution, the school, for the good of all of the students at that institution. Right. Collectives are essentially the nonprofit organizations that are used by the boosters to the school to pay the players through what they call name, image, and likeness. And right now they're paying them well in excess of the value of their branding, right? And you're an expert, way more of an expert on that than I am. But at this point, they're paying them millions and millions and millions of dollars. Some low-level players receive massive amount of money, and they have no real brand value. If they're per se. in a particular sport. So just Correct. to be really transparent, some sports especially the non-revenue-producing sports, really, they're not even part of the conversation. Interesting enough, some of the biggest NIL contracts have gone to obscure sports, right? And is it a particular player because that player has a following? Yeah, maybe, right? I was at an event where one of the individuals said the biggest NIL contract at the University of Minnesota was for a woman cross-country runner. And, and I never looked that up, but I found that, frankly, somewhat fascinating. Maybe someone took an interest in this individual. Maybe they want to follow them through an Olympic career. Who knows? The reality is right now it's the wild, wild west, right? This whole can of worms has been opened up without any essentially statutes or rules or regulations around it. And frankly, I blame the NCAA for that, as well as the legislatures that are supposed to be looking at this. 
Congress even. I mean, some of these things have risen to the level of lawsuits in various places. Well, for sure. And you're going to see a continued litigation. And right now, there's so much money flowing into the system, into these collectives, then flowing out to the players, that the schools are being like, wow, we, we've lost control of this, right? And part of this is to get some control over this and pay them appropriately pursuant to a system. I mean, the Utah women's basketball team all received big pickup trucks. What's the value of that? And frankly, it would be much better if they were paid in a way that they could improve their quality of life. I mean, it's such chaos right now, and they're really just trying to create some order. So I love your terminology. It is the wild, wild west. Let's do a little future casting, Steve Silton. What is your prediction, or what can we just see, even short of a prediction, what's next? Is Chuck Baker really taking this? He sounded pretty serious in that early December article from the Wall Street Journal where I got some of my information about what he's proposing. I I think you're going to see a continued shakeup of the NCAA as a whole. I think the conferences are going to continue to evolve. You see the Big Ten and the SEC continue to add teams. I think that's going to continue. You're going to have two super conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten. They're going to essentially lead the way in imposing regulations, both with regard to paying their players, as well as regards to what particular NILs are going to be allowed. Because once they pay them, once they put them as employees, they can control their outside activities, which frankly will help in the overall process. A lot of the players aren't going to like it because you, know, you see at the University of Colorado, you've got Deion Sanderson, who's, you know, what, making $8, $10, 12000000 million in NIL money. I mean, well more than he's worth. You're not going to see that. You're going to see essentially a flattening of the process, and you're going to see a much more orderly distribution of funds. Well, I'd say, Steve, I hope so, because my love of college sports is definitely dwindling. It makes me sad to see these different narratives playing out. And even for you to describe the Big Ten and the SEC as these two super conferences that are formulating— All these other conferences that have legitimate fans and legitimate players and legitimate communities that back them up are just going to fall by the wayside, possibly. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, and maybe you should stop kind of looking at how the sausage is made and you'll, and just enjoy, <laughs> but it's what I enjoy, do. enjoy. enjoy I understand. Enjoy the presentation. I mean, all of these shakeups have not stopped fans from essentially enjoying the end product. I mean, last night you had the NCAA football championship, and you had an old Pac-10, Big Ten team, the Washingtons, joining the Big Ten. So essentially, this is kind of a Big Ten championship. And my guess is viewership was massive. Everybody's already looking forward to March Madness. I mean, the two big brands are March Madness and the college football playoffs will continue. People will continue to root for their teams and everything will be okay in there. All right. Well, it's rare that I'm the doomsdayer and you're Mr. Beacon of Light, but I guess it's good to have some balance here on The Crisis Files. As always, Steve, thanks for your insights. You can find Steve Silton on LinkedIn. Today's case file is brought to you by Golf Public. Reputation issues can arise quickly and unexpectedly. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Golf Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. Your best defense is a crisis-ready culture that helps you spot potential issues, act swiftly, and reflects your brand's values while building trust with your audiences. Learn more at golfpublic.com. 
Subscribe to, rate, and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice. Check out our new website, thecrisisfiles.com, where you can catch up on all case files. Follow us on YouTube and Instagram at The Crisis Files. I'm Roshini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.